please? Some powerful scene from that particular movie as it is in heaven and it portrays things in a very real and very powerful way. So just can I park that thought there for a moment, that emotion that's captured around there? Because I'm always amazed around here at New Community about how many different things are happening. The 36 hours of prayer was brilliant just for people to connect in and make space for God in their lives. Um, In three weeks' time, we're going to have a community weekend away. Um, Not all of us going away to stay in the same house together. That might get a little bit awkward. But um, just to create some space where we don't do Sunday at 10 here, um, but there's different home groups and different people where we're encouraging you on that weekend to say, uh, for people who are new around the place or even as a home group that you might be connecting with to say, let's share a meal together. Let's do an activity together just so we can build community. Some of you will actually um, ask your next door neighbours to come and join you for brunch or doing something over that long weekend whilst our youth, youth here, are doing the state youth games. I think there are about 35, 45 all up. A huge team are going away to be involved in the state youth games. And it's not about winning but we want you to win your area, okay? And uh, because winners are grinners and losers talk about the Olympic philosophy, okay? And, and we want to be winners around here. So youth, if you're going, could you just stick your hands up so we know? Youth, if anyone's going here, so yeah, smile big, smile, do well. And um, so that's what's coming up in, in a few weeks' time. We also have this Thursday night... Um, We've got a, uh, a minister, a pastor from East Timor who we've got to know as we've been doing some East Timor connections. Archie, uh, Indonesian female lady who leads up a church over there is going to be here on Thursday and I would encourage you to come on Thursday and hear some of her stories as well. So that would be brilliant um, along the way and uh, I'm always conscious if you want to follow with us this morning um, and you um, wonder how do I get around the Bible, there's a Bible app that you can download on your um, little phone right now, there's the address right there and we're going to be looking at one section a little later this morning at Matthew chapter 4 in the NLT New Living Translation, it's all free, you can go online, it's right there in front of you. Domestic violence, violence within our community. When my wife and I were doing some study about 15 years ago over in Portland, Oregon, for one year of our time over there and the three years that we were there, we spent in a domestic violence shelter. We were uh, the the young people in residence that were looking after this long-term accommodation for women and their kids who were getting away from bad men. And uh, in that particular place, we got to build friendships with and, and see the ramifications of a life that had been really stepping on eggshells for many of these ladies. In fact, some of them were making a head start and were sort of getting their lives back together. Um, others were still making some choices that we wondered if they were questionable ones about the kind of male company that they would still involve themselves with. But the idea of that particular shelter that we got to live in and among them was to provide a safe refuge where women and their kids could actually get their lives back together again. Um, Violence, though, in our community. You saw the spat um, a few weeks ago between the media moguls, James Packer there up in Sydney, and and just so happens that when they were sorting out their business together in that public environment, someone had their phone ready to go and made a bucket of money as a result of just seeing two grown men go toe-to-toe with one another. In, In some ways we chuckle, but in another way we go, really? Is this the way in which we want our community to be? Is this how senior representatives of at least media companies, uh, you know, manage themselves? The answer clearly is yes. That's the the way it goes. And uh, so what do you do in situations like that? I mean, what would you do 
if you were driving along the road this morning on the way here and you saw a little old lady being robbed by someone, they stole the lady's handbag, pushed her out the way and started to run away. If you were driving here this morning, what would you do? I wonder what you would do if you went away for a, a weekend, let's say, with a whole group of guys and let's say they were dads who took their kids away for a long weekend camping, say, somewhere up in the Upper Yarra Reservoir. And, uh, and imagine if you pitched tents in that place because you wanted to have a really peaceful, enjoyable weekend with the kids. And simultaneously after you'd pitched tent, there was another group of young adults, say about 40 of them from another country, maybe something like Ireland, that came and, and they actually pinched all of their tents about 40 metres from you and they wanted to have a party. And they were actually cranking the music up at 10pm at night rather than going down and they were going to do the all night thing. I mean, what would you do if you're lying awake there in your tent wondering, what, 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 should, we, what should we do in this situation? I wonder what you would do if you're at school and someone was teasing you and stirring you all the time. Let's say you're in grade five or maybe six at primary school and you're walking home and there's someone behind you and he's been at you and at you and at you. And in another public setting, he's just nagging and nagging and nagging away. And you're wondering, what should I do in this situation? Let's say you're walking along on your way to home and he was so close. What should you do in that particular situation? Should you just let it slide or what? Well, I remember being in that situation, that was me. Uh, I remember being so humiliated by the guy behind me that I had had enough in grade five. So I turned around and did the only thing I thought was possible in that moment. I clenched my fist and I biffed him one. And simultaneously as I biffed him one, I looked up and someone had suited their horn. It was my next door neighbour. He was driving his car past. He saw the whole thing. So now I had two problems to deal with. It solved that one, mind you. I didn't have any other problems with him for probably the rest of primary school. But now I've got another conversation to have as well. I mean, what do you and I do in situations like this? And if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, what should you do in those situations? I mean, even if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here this morning and you're wondering, I just want to ask you, what's your frame of reference? I mean, what values do you draw upon to make spontaneous, quick decisions? And what other ones do you actually take longer time over? I mean, apart from values, what are the experiences that inform some of your decision-making? Because every day, you and I are faced with decision-making when it comes to what should we do in different situations and circumstances. In fact, a follower of Jesus is someone who's encountered something of who God is. And so they ask this simple question, thanks James, what would Jesus do? What would he do in the land of plenty and what would he do when there's violence around about? Just flick to the next one for us, mate. You see, what they do is that they actually start to ask themselves, they watch Jesus and they say, they read the Bible and they, they walk with him and they say, what would you do? And they try and sort of engage with that. Then they talk and they listen and they spend time discerning and then they talk with others because they might be wrong. And so they engage with other people to say, do you think this is kind of the way? In fact, in the last few weeks, we've been engaging with a lady. Her name's Lulu. And you've met Lulu along the way. Um, in fact, Lulu um, decided that she'd bring a friend along this week. And so she brought a friend with her, Tex, because um, she just didn't want to be alone. And so what Lulu and Tex have been finding, because she kind of likes him and he kind of likes her, is they've been checking out a place uh, called Church. And, and along the way, at this particular church, they've been sort of discovering who Jesus is. And, and for Lulu, it's been doing some things in her heart and her mind. And she's 
discovering that when someone comes to know Jesus, it's as though heaven and earth collide together. God does something in someone's mind and their heart and their will. And it's as though that God comes alive in their thinking. God comes alive in their heartbeat. And so she's learning along the way uh, that there's a God who wants to be involved in a life. And when he, they place their trust in him, not only does he forgive them, not only does he begin a healing work in them, but he actually welcomes them to his family and he gets them to start asking another question. In fact, it's a question that kind of goes like this. It begins with a prayer. And we looked at this two weeks ago. Now Lulu's starting to find herself praying this prayer as she's getting to know Jesus. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So what Lulu and Tex are finding along the way is that Lulu's asking another question. Thanks, James. She's asking now, what would Jesus do? WWJD. And mind you, Tex here, he's still asking WWID. What would I do? Uh, Because he's not quite there yet with the Jesus thing like Lulu is. In fact, he's wondering if this is going to cause a bit of a rift between the two of them. And after all, Tex really likes Lulu. He likes her hairstyle. He likes her kind of stick figure frame. And he's wondering if that smile of hers will, or that sort of, you know, that, you know, concern kind of, I'm here, I'm listening kind of look will fade a little bit if she continues to get involved with Jesus. In fact, he's wondering if the romance kind of might die along the way. So he's kind of tagging along, just figuring out, what does this mean for me? Because what Lulu's doing right now is that Lulu's actually engaging two questions. Not only what would I do, but what would Jesus do? In fact, she recognises that following Jesus is kind of quite simple when it comes down to the heart of it. It's waking up in the morning time and saying, reporting for duty, God, what do you want me to do? And so Lulu's now starting to realise that she's asking a question that's involved with what would we do? In fact, someone gave her a book called In His Steps and she's starting to read that. She knows it was written a hundred years ago in a different time, in a different place, where the worlds were very different to what they are right now. But she's bumped into a singer and the singer has got a magnificent voice and she's being asked to go and sing at all the great concerts. But the singer, now that she's asking that question, what would Jesus do? She's actually starting to wonder if there's some other way she could use her voice for a bigger purpose. In fact, there's a businessman there. He runs a company and he's starting to ask that question. If Jesus ran my company, what kind of occupational health and safety, what kind of good spaces should I have going for the company? There's someone else there who's working in business and he's come across some accounts that he realises there's money being siphoned off under the carpet for years now. And he realises that if he answers the question what he thinks he should do, it means that it's going to cost him his job. And it's going to cost him his standing within the company. In fact, there's all these different questions being asked of people and they're trying to respond to it in different ways. And so the frame of reference now that Lucy is going on where she realises that she has a cultural narrative wrapped up with her trying to figure out what Jesus would do. She's been told she's so special that, that, that Jesus does a little celebration dance because she can pretty much do whatever she wants in this life and Because she's so special and she's entitled to so much, but she realises 
as she's spending more time with Jesus, there's actually a kingdom narrative. There's another framework he wants her to even think by. And so last week we looked at this particular talk, this sermon on the, on the mount along the way that went something like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, said Jesus, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus wasn't giving a whole new criteria by if I just mourn a little bit more, if I'm a bit more merciful, God will let me into his heaven. No. What she's discovering along the way is that these are qualities of people who follow Jesus. I watched Foreign Correspondent on the weekend. Anyone else see it? Foreign Correspondent? Check it out. Sobering stuff. I mourned as I heard what the men in Pakistan do to young little boys. And I mourned for that situation. I was so stirred. I said to my daughter, you know what? I reckon we should pack our bags right now, go over there and try and figure out how we can help. He said, someone who follows Jesus starts to get his heartbeat in tune with what God's on about. And it touches them in different ways. In fact, what, what Lulu is figuring out is that she's figuring out what to say yes to. A whole bunch of yeses along the way. I think that's coming up, James, along the way there. There it is. Yes, 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 yes. These are all the things she should say yes to. In fact, Lulu's discovering, Lulu's discovering that the question Jesus came to answer wasn't, how can people go to heaven when they die? Oh, that's part of it, but a smaller part. What she's discovering is that Jesus came to answer this question. What's a good God to do with the mess of this world? What's he going to do? And she's figuring out it's got something to do with her. Lulu's also figuring out that when you say yes to some things, she also needs to learn when to say no to some things too. This is where we want to pick up this morning. Jesus has just been baptised, dunked into some water in the Jordan River. He's done it to identify with his own people, God's people. And starting the way. As he's come up out of the I might just grab this one here and we're going to turn that one off and we're going to go this way. We're there. Are we there? Fantastic. What is this coming up out of the water and he's discovering along the way is that he's heard this voice that everyone else has heard coming out from heaven. God saying, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And as other people turned to the, each other and said, did you hear that too? Did you hear that? It says that the spirit of God took Jesus out at that moment into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Okay, let's pause here for a moment. If you hear this morning, you go, the devil, Troy, really? Do you really believe in that? You know, if you go to another culture, they believe in there's a spirit world. In fact, they're connected really closely with far more than in our West. I'm not imagining someone like with a pitchfork running around or even demon supporters at this stage. What I am suggesting, though, is that there is a spirit world and behind that, Jesus seemed to talk about a spirit world Somewhere being in the recess of our communities that is opposed to everything that God is on about. And so in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, it says he fasted and he was hungry at the end of that. In fact, that's what someone who was like a Messiah-like figure, a son of God, would do in preparation for. And then it said in that wilderness place, in that lonely barren land, the tempter came to him and said this, 
If you are the Son of God, namely, if we could rephrase that, it would be, so you are the Son of God. Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. After all, you're really hungry. What would be the best thing for you to do right now would be to serve yourself, Jesus. I mean, you're hungry. And if you've got those Jesus superhuman powers, you could do this. And Jesus responds in this way. He goes, no, no, no. The Bible says people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I will not do what you want me to do. I will not serve myself. I want to serve my father. Let's click to the next one. Then we don't quite know how this works itself out, but, but Jesus actually then is said to be taken in his mind's eye to the holy city in Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. And there again, this voice came to him, this, this temptation. If you are the son of God, jump off. After all, the Bible says he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I mean, this is the tempter coming to him and saying, if you want to start your new kingdom movement, if you want to actually do something here on earth that makes a difference in this world, why don't you promote yourself? I mean, you've got those superhuman Jesus powers. Why don't you go down in front of everyone, stand on the top of the mountainside, and you can throw yourself off the temple. I mean, your father, he'll catch you. This will be brilliant. I mean, could, this could go viral. I mean, as soon as people get a whiff of this and they can take a photograph of it or they've got you on YouTube, they'll post it up, and you could be so popular in just a moment, you will have a new movement, a new kingdom established, and you will be great. Jesus says, the scriptures say, you mustn't test the Lord your God. I will not do what you want me to do. I want to do what he wants me to do. And then thirdly, somewhere in, in maybe in the mountainside where he is, he looks over all and sees the, the grandeur of all of the kingdoms of the world. So there's the Roman and there's the Egyptian and the, it spreads for miles. The devil took him to a peak on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said this, I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and simply worship me. You see, Jesus has the picture of the kingdoms of this world and, and there they are all before him. And the tempter comes and says to him, you could rule all of this and it could be yours. And the implicit thing underneath of this is that you could be more powerful than the Romans and the Egyptians, if you used your power together, you and I could conquer the world. Our swords will be sharper. Our blades will run deeper. We could destroy and take over the entire world. You could have it all, anything your flesh wants. And Jesus hearing this, this temptation in his mind to get out of here, for the Bible says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him. If you want to know where real life is found, it's found in knowing the God who made you and worshipping him. The devil went away, it says, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. You see, the reality of these temptations is even if you're here this morning and you're checking out Jesus and you're not sure how it works, these temptations are ours, are they not? Every week. I mean, go ahead and serve yourself. You see that other person here, but serve yourself. Hey, if you get this promotion right now, you could actually become so influential in your company that, that you could have access to all kinds of avenues and doors. Look after yourself. Promote yourself. Or even the bigger one, 
man, now that I've got some real power where I am, I could use this to my own benefit. I mean, our law courts are filled with people, aren't they, every week who have succumbed to one of these temptations. And Jesus says, no. You see, the underlying thing in the, this third temptation is that Jesus flatly refuses to say, I will not take up violence the way in which you want me to, in which the way in which the world operates. Sometime later, Jesus is walking with James and John. The Samaritan, the half-caste people in Jewish eyes, didn't welcome them into their village. So James and John, they turn to Jesus and they say, how about we nuke them all? And Jesus says, yeah. He actually says, I don't know what spirit you're of. You don't get me at all. I'm a peacemaker. On the night where Jesus was actually captured and taken, Peter draws a sword and cuts off a slave's ear. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, stop that. Put down the sword because if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. You see, it's so easy to become overcome by evil. And Jesus says, I want you to overcome evil with good. That's why when I received a telephone call about three years ago saying, we've got this new movie that's out right now. We're wondering if you want to show it at your church. It's called The Machine Gun Preacher. And they showed me an edited clip and I played it. And I called them back and I said, so you're saying that I could have the person come here who was actually the, the person who was the machine gun preacher, an old gangland person who came to know Jesus, became a preacher, went over to South Sudan to protect kids, but also took up machine guns in actually protecting and, and shooting other people. You'd like me to show that here? Yeah. And have him speak? Yeah. I said, let me just ask you, has anyone else even raised the question with you about violence and Jesus? No one's really asked that question. Really? Don't get me wrong here this morning. I'm not saying that this is really easy to figure out. But what I'm saying is that in answering the question along the way, what would Jesus do? There's this other side that must come into it. Not only must you have a framework of what you say yes to, but you also must have a framework of what you say no to along the way. Because if your yes is always yes for everything, then it makes me wonder if, if your, rest, your yes has any real meaning. Because with every yes, there must be no's in our world around about. Let me drill this down just for a minute as we come to a close. See, when my wife and I we were living over in Portland, Oregon, people would sometimes say, why don't women who actually experience domestic violence, why don't they just leave? And I'd say, you don't understand. You see, you don't understand how fragile a female is and her children who have been traumatized for years with violence. They're just picking the threads up of their life and if there's one thing that overwhelms them, if this overwhelming total sense of fear that even if I do leave, I'll be found. And when I'm found, no one will protect me. And they also know the cycle of how it goes. Someone beats them up and I'll always beat them up from the shoulders down to the knees so it's not visible to anyone else, just to those who know. 
And it forms a cycle because as soon as the person does that, usually the perpetrator comes back and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. And they give them gifts and they make all kinds of promises and there's this honeymoon period. This is the way it goes. And after a honeymoon period, the the, the female starts to realize that there's eggshells again and they were tipping on and then alcohol starts to be consumed and and then things start to get sharper around the house and before long she starts to brace herself because she knows it's coming again. And then it happens again and usually with even more violence and more violence and more violence. And usually by the time someone calls on the telephone to say, help, it's really bad. What would Jesus do? You see, there'll be some people here this morning who go, that resonates so strongly with me that I'm going to become an advocate for women. I will provide a safe house. I will call up the local people who do this, the ladies who look after women and say, my house is available. I'll have my children share with your children because they're so traumatized. They need somewhere that's safe. There'll be other people who follow Jesus and they'll say along the way, you know what? I'm not going to just let this slide. I'm going to become a, a man who uses, chooses to say, I will not respond in violence and I will call someone else to account when I see that happening too. There'll be some of you here that will say, man, woman or child, I will stand in between the gap when someone is actually wanting to be violent. And yes, I even might use force along the way. But as they do that, they also need to recognize too. So easy to become overcome with evil before you become the same perpetrator of the thing. that. So they come back to Jesus and they keep asking this question time and time again. What would Jesus do in the land of plenty? We're going to finish with a a song right now, but I don't want it to be the finish. I want it to be time to reflect and worship and pray. Because the realization is, is that there's violence in our will. The person who was driving onto church that morning, it was a minister friend of mine who happened to be a cop in a previous life. He saw that old grandma getting robbed. He said, I clicked into police mode. I pulled my car over to the side, jumped out, raced after the burglar, dived on him, decked him, made a citizen's arrest, called the cops, returned the handbag to the granny, got in my car again and drove to church. Now, I'm not advocating that that's the way everyone should do that. But we live in a complicated world. I know violence breeds violence. That's why for some people here, what you'll do with those men who are placed in jails or placed away, you'll actually spend time visiting them in prison because you know that God still values them as well. And they needed a real life encounter with Jesus of forgiveness and a transformative act that would actually powerfully engage them too. That's why some of you here will be stirred to say, I'll be an advocate for ladies, but I'll actually help other men come to deal with their violence, anger management courses. I'll run them. Because I'm learning what to say no to, as well as what to say yes to. And the Irish students that were camping, making too much noise, negotiate. Be wise. You could move your tents, but we were sleeping there all night. So at about 12 or 1, 
We tried to bring someone else into it and it was kind of okay, but you're still left wondering, what would Jesus do? As you're also simultaneously picturing what you could do with the car, you could hang the wheels up the tree, you could, you could take it off the wheels and sort of leave it in the morning for them to figure out that we didn't appreciate that, but no, we refused those temptations. But we live in this space. What would Jesus do? See, following Jesus isn't just believe in him and go to heaven. Lulu and Tex are discovering that it means bringing heaven down to earth and transforming it. So let me finish with this. Before I invite you to worship, before I invite you to pray, allow God to speak to you. What did you say yes to this week? What did you say yes to you should have said no to? And what did you say no to this week you should have said yes to? So all I'm asking you to do this week is change it. Start with a prayer each day. Reporting for duty, sir. Help me to know the difference between what to say yes to, what to say no to. And that's where I reckon we encounter Jesus. When we learn more often to say yes to the things we should say yes to, affirm them, not always be a looking down your nose no person, but also at times to say no to things. That's where you meet Jesus. And he fills you with courage and conviction. You sense his presence. Worship Jesus this morning as a living God and a present King.